figure. By Henderson. And another one for Nunes. It's five here. Two goals to his name. Two headers, Darwin Nunez. Also departs. Nothing fights the pitches on. Now Salah. It's six. Oh, that's the one they wanted. That is the cherry on the icing on the cake. Bobby Dazzler. Bobby Firmino. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. It has been an amazing weekend in the English Premier League. An absolutely historic result at the weekend as Liverpool dismantled an in for Manchester United. An unprecedented 7-0 at Anfield. Something a lot of people did not expect, see coming or quite couldn't believe their eyes at what they were witnessing. Whether you were a Liverpool supporter, a Man United supporter, or a neutral, I don't think anybody could quite believe what they saw. Unlike last season, it was a different story of a, a poor Man United team and setup. This season was a completely different af affair, with Ten Hag obviously having worked wonders in his short space of time, coming in and doing the job and what looked like was going to be an absolute tussle and panned out that way in the first half, went south. And of course, we have the resident Manchester United cheerleader himself, Riyad, facing up to the music here in what has been a tough few days, Rudds. What I happened? I thought I was done with these type of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought I'd... <laughs> I thought the shoes are on the foot. I thought I'd be coming here this week to say to you, that's Man United now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool at their lowest. Let's, let's, let's take them to the cleaners. But uh, yeah, look, it was an unbelievable game. Have you had a chance? Have you had a chance to remove the emotion? Obviously, the emotion of the occasion. I've tried to watch the game myself a couple of times after to see what the hell happened. The first half was so tight. You know, probably yeah. arguably United had the better chances, and yet it all imploded in the second half. Yeah, it's a total collapse. So I think there's a there's a number of different things that all culminate at the same time in Liverpool's favour. Um, so, of course, I think Liverpool, first and foremostly, were in that second half. They wanted it a lot more. So the hunger and desire, you know, I think that's... That's one of the one of the most important things in the game. So you can see that that game meant more to Liverpool than it did to United, and that that's not the way you go into those cup type of games. Um, the second part is um, United look leggy. Um, they've been looking leggy for the last couple of games. So Tenag doesn't rotate the team a lot, and that's not any any type of excuse. It's just the state of play. United have played the most games. Um, in Europe at this stage in the top five leagues. So that's starting to show a bit. So that's, um, uh, you know, that's probably some signs for him to consider about what his squad needs to look like for next season. But there's one thing looking leggy though. It's quite another thing losing 7-0. That's what I'm saying. There's a number of different things that all happen at the same time. So, you know, and, and then the, the most important part that happened, the biggest thing that happened is that they lost their heads. So they stopped doing the roles they were meant to do, particularly um, in the back line in the middle of the park. Um, you know, 
instead of doing their role, they started to, who knows what they were doing. But the role that they've been, the way they've been playing, the setup they've been playing, that disappeared. Um, Ten Hag spoke about it afterwards and said, they stopped doing the simple things like tracking, tracking back. You know, that's, that's not, that's not just not good enough. That's unprofessional. So I think, uh, um, I'm happy that he's calling it out as it is. Um, so I think losing your head in that type of fixture, um, you know, that's, that's the, the last thing you need to do. Last. Well, well, he has an interesting one, right? Obviously I've been given our, our Peter Maritzburg born Durbanite uh, Grand Prix a bit of grief about this, because let me tell you, I got a couple of messages from him during the week about this game saying, you know, Klopp is ready or oh, LFC ready. Then he said to me, we're coming in for you. Like, I feel like there was a bit of confidence from United in the coming into this game. And, and, and rightly so. I mean, I, I went into the game with a little bit of trepidation and uncertainty, not knowing what version of Liverpool I'm going to see. And, um, United in red hot form. It just, it just felt like it could be a bad day after so many victories at Anfield all these years. But he said, he made a comment and he said he felt that there was a, I don't know, a level of PTSD in some of the players based off what's happened previously at Anfield. It's, it's as if they reverted to default after a couple of goals, like the bad demons came back to bite them. Do, do you think there's anything in that maybe, a psychology yeah. in it? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, they've there were nine goals last season um, across two fixtures. Um, so, you know, 2 nil, 3 nil, bang, bang, um, straight off to halftime. You know, I think that's when the heads um, heads were lost. You know, you started seeing Luke Shaw trying to kick plays in the back. Um, you know, Bruno Fernandes waving his arms all over the place. It looked like, to be fair, not to cut you off, but it looked like Bruno from last season, flailing arms. You know, but this is a guy that's now got your captaincy, and he looked like yeah. look. He I looked, think he copped a lot of abuse from Keane and them. I must say, from your fellow Man United, it does uh, from a lot of supporters. Um, because that that's how he is every week. Uh, that that's not just this week. He that's that's what he expects um, from from his teammates, from from the referee. He gives the rip. most of the grief he gives us to the ref. Um, and he does say when he goes too far, he does he does apologize uh, if he thinks. But in that heat of the moment, he thinks he's doing the right thing, and that's fine. I think the one thing that was probably um, a pretty low moment was when he was pushed when he pushed the, the linesman. I thought that's not on. I thought that um, I'm surprised VAR didn't do something. Uh, he's lucky not to even get any you know post you know post match ban for that so I think um, that's probably the one thing that crossed, crossed the line for me I think the rest of the stuff if you watch enough United games that's what he does um, you know you ignore it and you're okay with it when you're winning when you're winning and then yeah. it becomes an issue when you've lost the game so uh, I've got no concerns with Bruno Fernandes I've got no issues with the way he behaves because that's the way he's always done it's not something new he hasn't just behaved like this for this game, that's that's how we. And if you think he's just done it for this game, then you haven't been paying attention. You haven't been you haven't been watching him. You know that's that's what he does constantly. Look, fair fair comments on Bruno. I guess the questions to you and you you're going to come under the microscope a fair bit today, Rudds, because obviously this is this is an historic event that to, I, I, it was only less than twelve. Sorry to laugh, but it was only twelve months ago we we're talking about two historic results in a Man United-Liverpool fixture 
I never thought I'd live the the day I'd love to see the day where it gets to like seven is just beyond the realm of, of comprehension. Even for me as a Liverpool fan, it's just, I I can't put my words into it, but I want to go back to, to, to a couple of things. Um, the shape and the setup from Ten Hag, a lot of questioned it. Where do you sit on the side of the selection of uh, Vegost, you know, as the 10 pushing Bruno out wide and, and ultimately playing Rashford through the middle, given that Rashford's been quite effective on the left. Yeah, look, I'm an amateur coach. Um, Ten Hag's Ten Hag's been doing this um, for a long time. I would have questioned that selection when he played when he did it against Barcelona, um, and the way he set up for Barcelona, it worked. So you're okay, here. Can I, yeah, but he has a he has he has a pose, right? Liverpool style and Barcelona style is not comparable. So it might work for one. It doesn't mean it's going to work for the other. Yeah, but so so you're assuming that the setup is to oppose or, or to counteract the opposition and the setup is not for to enable you to play your style. So this No, case- but that, that's exactly what I mean. I'm actually implying the opposite. I'm saying he went into that game trying to impose his style, his style. in and a that, game. Uh, uh, to me, there's a little bit of lack of understanding of where you're playing because when it comes to Anfield, I mean, you think about two weeks ago, we just copped five from Real Madrid at Anfield. There was bound to be a bounce back in the next game. It just happened to be Man United that we were playing. So there was a little bit of naivety for me for him to think that he could go to that extent, and maybe it's self-imploding in a, in a catastrophic way, but I think he did try and pose his game 100%. Yeah, I, I think if um, if United finish the chances there in the first half and they go up, go into halftime, a couple goals up or even one goal up, right? They'll be saying, wow, what, what, what a manager. He's gone and he's posed his own way. But that, that, that's the margins of the game. But that's the margins, right? And look, you had, let's be clear though, you had decent chances. They weren't, Bruno yeah, Fernandez's I, I, chance was difficult and so was Rashford's chance. Yeah, I thought Rashford's one was bread and butter for him. He's been banging those in. He, he never, he never even connected. So he didn't even, he didn't even look confident. He didn't look like someone yeah, who had just been scoring yeah, every so game. I thought that was a massive, massive chance. Um, I thought that was probably the best chance of the game. Um, oh, sorry, of the half. Um, needing up to Gakpo's goal, um, but look, it's, that's why we can all be hindsight managers. I understand what he was trying to do in terms of um, Vegas, Vegas playing the ten, throwing his body around, releasing um, Rashford further forward. Um, Anthony wasn't tracking back. That was a deliberate ploy to to try to push um, Robo back all the way back to track him. Um, but like you say, like I'm saying, in, in hindsight, it works fantastically. If, if you look at it in terms of what would have made the most sense would be Vegas playing as the number nine, Bruno would have made the mo- most sense, one hundred percent, and Rashford playing against Trent Alexander Arnold, who you know everybody knows has not had the greatest of seasons. So that's been probably the weak side of Liverpool. You've got you've got to exploit it with your yeah, that's right. So um, I think that so I mean that's a strange decision, um, but like I'm saying, he's made some strange decisions over the last few weeks, and they've been paying off. Um, 
So yeah, but then you have to. You listen, Rods. Had you lost one nil, two one, three two, three one, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd just be like, look, he went that way. It's understandable. There's still stuff to do. It went to seven nil, and that is the issue at hand. Yeah, in in your biggest rival that you play against. So. You know, at what point did, was there no change? Was there no anything? The goals just kept coming and coming. At some point, you've got to shut up shop and say, we can't go anymore. But it just, it just got worse from there. It's funny because there was, there was someone who was talking who's been, I forget who it was, who's been a part of that game, of a game where there was seven or eight goals shipped in. Said when you're playing and it's happening so, and you must remember that, that six goals were conceded in one half. In one half, it's, yeah. It's like a whirlwind. You don't even know yeah. what the hell you don't know what's up. going you know, on. You, yeah. So, so you know, the last thing you're thinking is like, oh shit, this shut up shop here. You're just trying to get into the game, and before you know it, you've lost your head, you've lost your shape. You know, people are giving up all over the field. So, so it's easy to say from the sideline, yeah. you know, while oh, there's two goals up, shut up shop. Let him have the ball. Sit that, and and even if, just say, if it was the fuse on the other foot and United went two or three goals up against Liverpool, you would you expect Liverpool to sit back, shut up shop? Not look, not, not at two or three. I think once it got to four, I, I still think yeah. there's a game once at you, three. Once, once you got to four, it's, I'm just like stop the embarrassment at this stage. Yeah, it's gone. At that stage, it's gone. gone. Yeah, just so, you can't so, let it get to seven, bro. Seven is like. That's the stuff you do to Bournemouths and, and teams like that, but not in a Man United Liverpool game. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, look, I do think I, I do think it's a there is a little bit of naivety in terms of going to these big occasions because he did the same thing against City, right? So mm. we went into City, he wanted to impose his own style, his own game plan, and we conceded six in that game. Yeah. So you know, yeah. it's six and seven. So I think in in that case, there's there's two instances where it has gone royally wrong. I think the saving grace against the City game is that United scored three goals to make it more respectable. Um, but I think it was like four 0 at half time. So yeah, game it's a was over. Scenario where the game is you know it's game management from Man City. Um, let's not get injured. Whereas yeah. this is this is a game, this game was in the balance. Um, totally in the and, balance. And and then you've got to you know. I think Liverpool just sends his blood in the woods here. Let, let, let's go for the kill. Go. And let's just yeah. keep going. You know, let's, um, you know, there's no need for us to be resting and rotating. This is all we've got now. Um, it's the league or nothing. Um, I don't know if there's much, if there's much hope of a turnaround in the Real Madrid tie. Um, so I do think it's all about the league for Liverpool. Well, look, I, I, if you asked me that three day, a day before the United game, I'd have said there's no hope. But... <laughs> One thing with this team is I don't know what to expect this season. Most seasons I know what to expect. You know, I remember saying to you and Wade um, at the start of the season, one thing with Liverpool going into a season is I know what to expect. And, uh, you know, Murphy's Law, I said it in the wrong year because I don't know what to expect this year. So it's a very outside chance. I don't give us much hope. This isn't the Barcelona comeback here when we were rearing hot. So it's a different story. But I do want to talk about the actual goals. So I said to to Grant when I was talking to him, if I look at it right, this wasn't a case of, we were very clinical. Very seldom do you get a game where you get eight chances and score seven. Like it just doesn't happen. You know, you you get eight chances, you might score two of them if you're lucky. But if I look at the first goal, 
I felt like this is when I have conversations with people and they're trying to analyze a game. And I say, listen, you can't just say it's down to X, Y, and Z. If you look closely enough from a coaching perspective, you can actually see why the goals came, especially when you consider how a team plays. So your first goal, your shape was an absolute disaster. From Originally, it started well with how you were set up to cover the space. But once Delot went out to, I think it was Robbo, and then kind of tailored him in. You had Fred, I think, cover in behind. But he got totally, he totally misread the situation. He, he read the situation as a midfielder and not really as a defensive player. He went across to Gakpo, which then obviously allowed the space in behind. Robo, of course, put a sublime ball past a lot, and the rest is history. But a very avoidable goal had the shape been correct in the first place. Yeah, so I do think there, there may be some instruction on how Fred was to be used and when Delo needs to tuck in and when he needs to go. Um, so I think whatever that instruction was, they, that wasn't played out. So I think there was, was confusion. Mis- yeah, they had to, there so was thought, confusion. Like, yeah. Do I need to go or Fred's going to go? And then now I'm out of position and I'm out wide. And, you know, so I think... Now I'm in no man's land. Yeah. I'm in no man's land. So yeah, I think it, it was an, an avoidable goal um, for sure. I mean, Great finish though. But yeah. having said that, you got you roll it on, and I just have a question for the centre back. You know, Martinez. You know, I played centre back my whole life. You do not run across your goalkeeper. In fact, if he actually and he wasn't even sprinting, mind you, he was in a position where, from a defence, from a centre back point of view, having played there, your position is almost covering the angle that the keeper is not. Now, in my mind, if he had actually stood in the position he should have been. Nine times out of ten, I've probably seen that happen in the game. It hits him and it deflects out in the ball. No one's talking about the goal. He ran directly in the line and stopped in front of Daea, which makes little sense to me. So you have three or four mistakes in that situation. The only sense it makes to me is I think he was coming across because he he thought Gakpo was going towards the line. He didn't expect him to cut in and shoot like that. Um, Gakpo Gakpo had already cut in by that stage. He so, already cut he, in. So, he, so he, but he couldn't stop his run. So he started running across. Gakpo had cut in. Bro, he stopped. He stopped directly in front of De Gea. That's why De Gea turned to him. De Gea turned to him and said, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah. Like I think there was a brain fart in that moment from him in terms of what he was doing. Probably, as you're saying, hustling to get back. But it's just it's it's a poor decision again in in my mind what he's doing. Yeah, but look, I think with him, he's been he's been one of our better players this year. He's had a fantastic season. He's been you know um, he's been really solid. He's um, now there's, there's a lot of criticism on him and not being tall enough and all the rest of it. Yeah, um, no, he's been brilliant. And I'm not trying to criticize him. I'm just saying that what I've noticed, what I've seen of Liverpool be close to perfect over the years. It's about making those right decisions in those moments. And I felt like you guys made three wrong decisions in that first goal. So I'm putting the goal down as much as it was good play from Liverpool. It was really poor play from United in things that could have been avoidable. If you roll it to the second goal, absolutely calamitous defending from Shaw. Giving the ball away cheaply to, I think it was, Harvey Elliott. I mean, he literally just passed the ball five meters straight to Elliott. Yeah. But then what ensued after that was literally a comedy show. Literally how Liverpool have been playing, that was the epitome of that goal, that second where, goal. Where it, it was, was just Marat, clumsy. For, Marat no, made the tackle and yeah. then it 
It, it didn't win the ball and it didn't win there. the ball and then it ricocheted and then Casemiro came in and the ball bobbled. Then it went to Fabinho on the top of the box. Someone fumbled, it came across, it fumbled, it went across. It was yeah. just a complete, like, it was so and many it, mistakes to, in one. But it had to fall to, but there's a couple of them. There's, so I think there's two goals like that where, so not, not like that, but there's two goals where, you know, it fell to the wrong person from a United perspective. Like, you know, it fell to um, was, does it back to Harvey Elliott that put it across? Who put it across? Uh, uh, the cross was, yes, the cross was Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott. So it fell to, so after all those bubbles, it fell to him in the box. But it bobbled to him. Yeah. Yeah, it bobbled to him. The other one was um, Liverpool on a break. United yes. intercepted the break. Yeah. And then there was a deflection and it landed on Mo Salah's feet and he just had to put it in like you know it's a couple of goals like that um and i i think i agree that liverpool were very clinical in that game i don't know that i wouldn't agree not that you're arguing the points but i'll say i wouldn't wouldn't say that liverpool were their best flying like it's not the liverpool we didn't need to be yeah but it was a liverpool where last year they demolished united in a different way no, that was, that was a proper demolition of gameplay. And open them up. This is just like, um, like, I, like I said earlier, it's like a combination of circumstance, United just collapsing and Liverpool making the most of it and, and, you know, and being clinical. Well, that's why I say that a lot, why I'm going through the goals, because I feel like a lot of the goals were avoidable. So even on that counter-attack, for argument's sake, I felt some players didn't even bother chasing back, number yeah, one. Yeah, that's true. That was one thing. So there you go. The number one rule in football, especially with the type of style, once you lose the ball, especially in these big games, you haul ass United to get back. Corner. That was a United corner. It was a United corner. And don't yeah. get me wrong, Liverpool are known to score from opposition set pieces, right? Yeah. But the lack of urgency around that, having said that, you did actually get back. Okay, McTominay makes that tackle. But I felt like there was a time that someone was actually close to Nunes when they could have won the ball in that, but it didn't yeah. happen, which then caught... Like, I felt like there was just a cluster of errors. And a lot of these goals were down to United making poor decisions, which then resulted in... Listen, if you give Liverpool the opportunity to score goals generally, they will score. So I mm-hmm. think there were a lot of avoidable goals in this game. And, it, you know, in the end, the fourth, the fifth, sixth and seventh goals, at that stage, it was down tools. And yeah. it was whatever, but yeah, yeah the first, there was at least three of the first four goals that were avoidable. It would be nice for David de Gea to make more than one save, though. <laughs> well, he was never stopping the Salah rocket, and have you know that was with his wrong foot as well. I don't yeah. think he could have done anything with any goal except probably. There's I think he could have done. I think he could have done better with Gakpo's first goal. Yeah. Uh, not Gakpo's second first goal. goal. Sorry, oh, no, no, the second, second goal. goal. The second goal. The chip. Bit. Firmino at the near post is another one. Firmino is um, another one, yeah. Yes, look, um, so I don't think, look, from from top to bottom, uh, there's there's no United player that comes out with any, um, w- without any dirt on their name uh, after that game. But look, the hope is that it's an isolated, it's a freak result. That, you know, I, I don't see it as being, you know, when, when, when we played Liverpool last year... Oh, you're saying freak result, but you pointed out earlier it's happened twice this season already. Yeah, I think it's, it's a freak result in terms of I'm not expecting United to to play like that in the next game. 
you know, I think when we played you last year, before that game, we had got piped um, oh, by numerous teams, right? So, and the way we were playing, the way we got beaten by Liverpool, I don't know which game was first, Liverpool game or the City one. Um, I think the Liverpool four was first, and then City, and then and then the five was the last one, wasn't it? The five was the last one. The five was at Old Trafford. Yeah, so that five, like even leading into that game, United were were a shambles. Afterwards, they were a shambles. Didn't expect anything. Every week, we're coming back talking about how disastrous United are. I don't think it's like that. I don't think we're going to be coming back next week and talking about what the hell has happened to Man United. What you know? What happened to this team? Well, um, it will be interesting to see what happens after this because. I mean, I'm expecting a bounce back and some sort of um, change around, given that Ten Hag has done a, a pretty good job in the in the first six, seven months that he's been there. But it will be interesting because there's some scars there. But, Rudz, it, it has to have shown in players that are, they cannot, this team is not ready to compete at the top of the table. I know there's been talks of, sorry, but very silly talks of a, a quite silly quadruple that was never really on. But for some reason, some fans believed United were in a title race. You'd have yeah. to be deluded to think United were in a title race at any I stage. I don't think United are far off from being in a title race. So I think, um, I'm not talking about this season. I think they need, I think about two or three players from being genuine contenders. I think we need a genuine number nine. I think Veghost has been okay as a stopgap, but we need, we need an actual number nine to play for Man United, who's not only good at pressing, who's good at pressing and scoring because you're, you're number nine. You need to score goals. And, you know, so um, I think United need another body in the middle. I think United need another right back. Um, and we probably need another centre back. So th- there's a f- we need another goalkeeper. Um, so there's a few there's a few positions. Oh, you think De Gea's time is up? I think in terms of um, the, the way Ten Hag ideally wants to play, it doesn't fit in terms of what um, doesn't fit in terms of what his direction is. So he's had to change his style to accommodate De Gea. So you remember the beginning of the season when uh, we lost to Brighton and Brentford. He wanted to continue with his style, play out from the back, play out from the goalkeeper. Yeah, that's changed. We don't play from the goalkeeper anymore. You know, David De Gea. If you need to go long, you go long. If you've got time, then pick a man. Um, but we were conceding goals when David A was under pressure. Has been told you don't go long. You got to find. You got to find your man. So I think ideally that's what he wants. Um, I don't know if it's a priority. I think he might go another season with, with David De but that's that's a position he needs. So um, I think United have some areas to address. I don't think we were in a, in a tight race. I think the lot's not your answer. He, yeah, he I is, think the, he's I not think good enough. The lot needs to be back up. I think one Bissaka um, is not good enough either. I think one Bissaka is nowhere near good enough. Yeah, so I, I think one Bissaka is excellent at defending. Yes. Excellent. So yeah. I think if you, an Bissaka, if you put one Bissaka in a bottom half team, they need to defend most you of mean the game. Someone you like Crystal Palace? Some, yeah. <laughs> so you put him in that type of team and he's almost man of the match every week because he'll be making... Well, that's why United tackles. signed him. Yeah. yeah, it looks fantastic because you look at all that, but you don't see the other, the, side. The other side because they don't attack enough. And 
to be fair, in that team, in that setup, the requirement for him to tackle be minimal. You know, he's, he's defend and get the ball to Zaha on your, yeah. on your wing. You know, that's, that's going to be your role. So he'd look fantastic in that. If he, if he had both sides of the game, he'd be a United player. That's why we need to make sure, like Vegos, Vegos might be okay as a backup for us if, he, if we end up signing. But he doesn't have enough in his locker to be a starting player for United. Well, these are the players I think are not good enough at United, right? If you're truly saying that you want to be a title-challenging team, I think you're to compete. And even with Liverpool, I think it was a statement to say, just just settle down. You're not quite ready yet. And I think there's, start at the back, you've got De Gea's got to go. You've got um, Lindelof's got to go. You've got um, Maguire. You've got Delot. You've got... Some would argue Fred. I know he's been good for you. I'm not, Fred reminds me of a Lucas Lever. Just uh, great to be around in a bad time, but I'm not sure he's the guy to take you to that next level. You got McTominay. This is never going to be good enough. And you've got Vegas. That's six players that need to get out the door in my eyes. Yeah, I think yeah. there's enough. I think that, and I, and I'll tell you right now, Anthony is a one trick pony and that guy will never be anything more. Than what you see. I'm sorry, but there is nothing else to that guy. I actually think Sancho has more ability, talent, potential than Anthony will ever have. That guy's that guy is a is a overpaid Aaron Lennon when I watch him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he he just scored a big goal last week for us. Um, he does the same thing, Rads. He turns in on his left and he shoots. He does the same thing. And then he tries to do flicks in the mid-air when he's a, trying to control the ball. There was another player who did the same thing. Oh, you're going to talk about Robin. But Robin yeah. cut in and actually and, had an end product. And he had a pretty good career. So I think um, he, I, I think Anthony can add an end product. I think it's still a long way for him to go. It's his first season in the league. Um, when he has played, in most games, he's, been, he's, he's done what's, what's been expected of him. His Just not this game. Um, yeah, so I think he just didn't play. He, he didn't. He didn't look good in the game, but he's had plenty of games where he has done. I know. The, so people look at the price tag or whatever. I think the price tag is what it is. Um, I've not discounted him yet. Um, I think if I go through the names you said, I think yeah, I mentioned David De Gea in terms of the way Eric Ten Hag wants to play. Lindelof and Maguire are the team anyway, so um, they're not getting a, a sniff. Um, so they'll be gone anyway. Um, the the ones that we're really talking about is Fred. I think Fred is good enough to be a squad player. Um, I don't think he needs to be a starter, but um, he can. He's a coach's player. He can play a role. Um, when we play Barca as an example, his role was to stick on um, Fr- Frankie De Jong and make sure he doesn't get the ball, um, or when he does get the ball, you're on him. He played that role perfectly. Um, I'd, okay, I can give you Fred as a... He, he can definitely yeah. be a, a squad player, but a not one of your main 11. Um, McTominay, no. McTominay should go. And I think Vegos, like I said, he needs to be able to score. He, I can see an argument for him playing a minor role off the bench as a... Because you've got to remember, there's not a long list of strikers who are happy to come and sit as a backup striker who's gonna, who are going to play no, of course not. a handful of goals. So I think that's probably the, the role that potentially could be for him. Um, that he, he might get two or three starts in the season if our main guy is injured. Um, 
whether he wants that or not, that's a different story. But he's not good enough to be a starter and be the United number nine. Um, so I don't think it's as bad as we're saying six players. I think we've, we've got a spine there, of course. So we've got a number nine, we've got a midfielder, we've got a goalkeeper, and we've got a right back that we need to that that need to come into the starting eleven. I'll just digress a bit and I'll talk about some of the ex-players I had from United talk about the effect of Anfield and they felt that there was uh, no understanding of that from the from the players and maybe the coach to a perspective of see if you buy into any of it. But I was listening to, to Rio and, and Patrice Evra and they were talking about their times under Fergie and how when it came to the Anfield game, I think Patrice Evra was talking about this fact that Fergie would actually rest players the week out before that game, just to make them mentally prepared for what was coming at that ground. Such was the understanding of what he had of that ground, I suppose. Is there, is, do you think there's, obviously it's, it's almost impossible. Well, not almost. It is impossible to ever live up to the aura of Fergie, but his understanding of going to Anfield was probably second to none. And he's, he had a relatively successful, I would say, uh, time going there and he hated losing there. Do you think there's a bit of a lack of understanding of what that ground actually does to players at times? Maybe, but not anymore. So if there wasn't lack of, lack of understanding, this is the this is the result he needed to make sure um, he's fully aware and prepared for the next time he comes to Anfield. So I think maybe um, it will change his thinking in terms of how he needs to set up. Um, you might find that the next time he sets up for a game against Liverpool at Anfield. It might be um, a Surely more pragmatic approach. Yeah. It might be more pragmatic, um, and that's and that's fine because. That's well, to be fair, I half expected him. Yeah. I'd half expected him to play counter-attacking football yeah. in that game. Yeah, and that's what Fergie would do. Um, you know, he he'd look to play time. when we're at home mm. at, at, at United. When we're going at Anfield, we play a counter game. You know, give Liverpool the ball. We have us. We'll have our shape, and we play. So I think, I think Ten Hag will learn his lessons from these games. I think um, he'll he learn a lesson from the City game. I think he'll take a lesson from this game, um, and we'll see how we react. So we've got a, we've got two winnable games coming up. Um, so on Friday Batiste morning will be tough. Yeah, Friday morning we play Betis, and they just beat Real Madrid on the weekend. Real Madrid, yeah, they are um, up there in so, the league. So they, they're in good form. So that's a good test, but it's still a winnable game for United. And then we play Southampton. So, you know, I think, um, and then I think is there, is that in the international break after that? Uh, I think, it, uh, I think it's one more week because we play Real Madrid next week. So I do think there's one more week of football and then the international break after that. So you've got South Real Betis, Southampton. Actually, yep. And no, and then you got Batiste again. Yeah. And then you have Fulham. Yeah. And then it's the international break. So you still got four more games before the break. Although Fulham yeah. is an FA Cup game. It's your last league game is Southampton. Yeah. So, I mean, those are four winnable games for us. Um, I think we got a good chance. You know, we're talking about quadruple and all the rest of it. But I think we got a good chance to, to make it to the final for the FA Cup. Um, depending on the semi draws, so I think we've got a good chance of getting past Fulham. Um, I think we should expect to get past Fulham in the FA Cup. Well, um, you are at home. We are at home, and then 
um, then there's four there's four teams. So you're essentially two games away from uh, from a final FA Cup. I think the Europa League is another good chance for United to to get a trophy. I know um, I know Arsenal are in it. I don't think Arsenal give two shits about the Europa League. I think you know. I think, I think Arsenal, they'll happily give United that. Yeah, so I don't, I don't. I wouldn't expect them to be feeling strong teams. You know, I think next unless week, they got they, to the and, final. Yeah. A couple of weeks they got an Anfield. You know, I don't think they'll be. Um, they'll probably got a um, Europa game before that. I don't think they can be. Um, I don't think they'll be going with this full strength team in the Europa League and then going backing it up at a game. Uh, against Liverpool, so um, they've got some some tough games to come up. So I think for of the teams left in that in that competition, United should be one of the favourites. So I think there's a good chance for us to get those cup things. I think um, I think United are most likely okay in the league for top four. Um, not not nailed on. And I said the last time we spoke on yeah, I'm, I'm more concerned about the title challenge and more concerned about. United making it in top four because expectation is there was going to be ups and downs in his first season. I didn't think the downs would be this down, um, but if it is this this down, at the end of the day, it is a, it is one result and it's not a trend of five or six results because that's a different kind of down. So yeah. um, if it's one result in isolation, however bad it is and it's it's awful, um, you know, worst you've one, seen, worst worst of course. I don't, I haven't seen a. Like just, really remember, painful, painful. I remember when I was a kid and United lost 5 0 to um, Newcastle. Well, we lost to Newcastle as well. And I think both those, the one we lost to Chelsea and the one we lost to Newcastle. Yeah, but not the pain you're feeling right now. Uh, it was painful, but what, you know. But not as bad. Well, not as bad because at the end of the season we won those leagues both, both times. I think one was but actually. You're not winning. You're not winning the one, league this year. Yeah. One was this. Look, and I think if 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 we end this season, look, I already said to you before um, when you asked me on one of the first podcasts, what's a good season for United? I said finishing top four and a trophy is a fantastic season for United. So you've got we, a trophy, and, and we're pretty much there at top four. So it's already a fantastic season. I think, for I think you're there for top four, unless yeah. unless so I, this unless this result has some sort of mental like reset for these players where they just like, oh, what the hell? We're not as good as we thought we were. Exactly. So, I mean, I it's a hard one because it's, it's, it's a low feeling with the game. But like, if you had said to me before the season, yeah, shake hands, we'll give you, we'll give you a trophy. We'll give you two other finals or one other final at least. Yeah. Um, you know, whether or not you win it, that's, that's. And, what and one cup, you take it, not knowing the results. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So you take it. So, um, Obviously, this one's just bad because it is your biggest rival, and that's going yeah. to hurt no matter what. But, but and if now I you're going to be reminded about it for the rest of your life too. But, if, but if I switch it on you, so you've got some tough games coming up. So you know, we yeah, talk, we have a run of three actually. So we've we've got Bournemouth on the weekend. Then we're talking Real Madrid, City, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal Chelsea, Chelsea. Right. <laughs> um, well, in, in two weeks, it could be, we could be crying. Yeah, it could be a whole different, you know, this is what the game does to you. It gives you highs and lows. So, you know, the top, at the moment, you're looking at the top four, you're like, Liverpool are favourites here. You know, Liverpool win their game in hand on, on Spurs. You know, we're there already. This New is the problem, though. People are so reactionary, you know. They're quick to yeah. call league titles over, relegations over, top fours yeah. over. And the, there's still the 20 thing. games left, you know. Well, yeah. now there's 13, but... 
The only yeah. thing I'd say is that I think some of the concerns at Liverpool are still there. Um, Definitely. So I I don't think is I, I think this can very much make top four. Look, I do think I do think though the concerns are there, there's a clear sign of change if you watch. So that's five games in a row in the league we haven't conceded a single goal. That's yeah. a, that's an actual trend. It's not a two-game cycle. That's five games against Everton, United, and Wolves, uh, Crystal Palace, the draw, and then can't remember the third, fourth one, fifth one in there. But the five games in the league without conceding. So there's. There's yeah. obviously been a slight change to how we're playing. Yeah. We're still giving up chances in those games. Yeah, the only thing I'd argue is that was outside of the United game. Um, you should expect to keep clean sheets against... Yeah, you can't say that though. You can't say you expect it when we've been in horrible form, yeah. conceding three against Wolves who were at bottom at one stage and had only scored 12 goals the whole year. Yeah. So we conceded three against Brentford, three against uh, Brighton, three against Wolves. There's no expectation of anything with Liverpool this year, except that we don't know what to expect. So in a normal year, I'd say happily, that was a clean sheet. But for us to actually go on a five-game clean sheet little run is against the norm for this year. So it's clearly, that's what I'm looking at, is that something has changed because that hasn't happened once this year. Not yeah. once have we done that. In fact, I don't even think we've kept back-to-back clean sheets before that point. That's but in between all those clean sheets, there, was a, there, was, there were five goals conceded, right? Yeah, which is the Real Madrid thing, which is the Champions League, which is totally different. It's cup yeah. competition. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, the league where the target is the four, something's changed there. And it's clear to see that there's been a tweak. And, you know, maybe in this effect too, the front three, you know, people forget Gakpo, uh, Nunes and Salah are brand new in their formation of the three. This isn't Bobby, Mane and Firmino, uh, yeah. you know, who understand each other. Um, and yet what I saw the other day was that Nunes and Firmino, uh, sorry, Nunes and Salah have created the most chances for each other out of any pairing in the league. So it goes to show that the makings are there. It's just going to take time to actually deliver. But it's a, it's a tough run for all of us at the end of the day. Who knows what it looks like after City, Arsenal and, and things. Yeah, I think so. United probably got a kind of run um, between now, given that, We've played Arsenal twice. We've played City twice. We've now played Liverpool twice. Um, our tough games are Newcastle, Spurs, Chelsea. Um, you know that's and Chelsea um, are shambles anyway. Yeah, but Chelsea are shambles. But it could be a case that they turn the corner too. Um, you know, and 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 they look like they look like they can turn the corner because they've been playing okay. They've been playing decent, but they haven't been finding the net. And I know this this win this morning that they've had in the Champions League might spark something. So, um, you know, and who's to say they can't get a good result against? I think they got to play the the three big teams, right? They've got to. Well, they've got to play. I think they're going to play everyone in the top. Everyone. They've got to play United again. They're going to play City again. They've got to play Arsenal again. Liverpool. Um, Liverpool. So they've got a tough run in. So they do. You know, let's let's see what that looks like. But. Uh, yeah, look, hopefully there's better weeks in this one. <laughs> so final note on the game. Is Eric Ten Hag still the man for you? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think rival fans have been saying that, you know, I think um, I think I heard someone say, it may have been you the other week, to say United actually got a manager now. You know, Ten Hag is 
doing a fantastic job. So I don't think we look at a run result. And that's, I think the timing of that comment was probably about seven days ago, uh, by the way, um, to say, wow, what a job Ten Hag is doing. Um, so I, I wouldn't discount him just after, after this. I think he has done a fantastic job. Like I said, um, trophy, top four, first season, after where United were last year. I think that's the important thing. You know, no one even thought United would be top six this year when they're being predictions. So, um, you know, given all that, I think he's, 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 he's the man. Fair comments from Rudds, who's had to endure a painful weekend, but has fronted up to the mic to give the listeners their pleasure on the game. We are going to cross over live now to somebody who's joining us. Um, I believe he wants to talk about the last two goals. Is Mark, Mark, are you there? Come in, Mark. What do you have to say? Oh, fucking hell. I'm gone. I'm finished. No! 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 Oh, for God's sake! No! 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 Seven fucking nil! What the fuck, man? What the fucking hell's going on? Seven nil! Seven bloody nil! I can't believe it! I can't believe it! It looks like he's hiding behind the chair. He was. He was. Someone took a picture of that, uh, of him behind the chair. It was, uh, oopsie, we've had a little bit of technicality. Uh, someone took a picture of him hiding behind the chair in a still motion as the oh, seventh goal. And it looks like he's hiding there. Yeah. Oh man, listen, I listened to that little two minutes of him watching the goals go in. It was comedy gold. Absolute comedy. The funny thing is, I think I was saying to, uh, I think I was saying to you guys, only rival fans that actually watch that cake. Yeah, so, of course. You know, look, so yeah, United Sports don't 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 watch Goldberg. Just like Arsenal fan TV and Arsenal fans, they don't watch that shit. Look, so. to be fair, when I've actually okay, the the thing aside, the, he's obviously got a following in yeah. terms of watching him watch the game. Right, it's Gogglebox yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, but if you listening to when I listen to him analyze the game properly. When he's uh, he does that show with um, that ex goalkeeper Ben Foster, on uh, the cyclist or something, the whatever the hell he calls himself. Anyway, they he was to analyze. He 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 knows his football. I'll give him that. But the actual thing is just pure comedy gold to see his reaction. Yeah, um, some of the funniest things I've seen. But yeah. we will <laughs> we will close that chapter out of the United game, and of course. Uh, put Rudds at ease for another year. He will not have to face a Liverpool team, which I'm sure he's happy with for this period of time. Another, another season, not another. Another, another season. Sorry, season say, two months. Look, we, obviously, we're taking most of the show. Yeah, caught up uh, with the with the with the Man United Liverpool game. Just really quickly on the on the title race, Rudds. Maybe a couple of minutes before we close out. Arsenal coming back from two 0 scoring a late uh, winner. That Reese Reese. Uh, sorry, what's his name? Reese Nelson. Reese Nelson. It, it had the shape. It had the makings for me of a, a clown of a player. Well, not a clown of a player, but more of a cult hero. He's probably become in the the one thing he did for your team in the year. I think like Liverpool. McKay. Yep, Makeda came on and scored that goal against Aston Villa. I think it was. Yeah, it was Aston Villa. Yeah. yeah, the winner, like out of nowhere, and they never hear this kid again. I feel like that was Arsenal's moment just there. Just, that could be the game changer. Do you think they are you starting to believe they're going to hold out? N- no. <laughs> <laughs> I 
spoken uh, like a true Manchester United supporter. Oh, look, I've, I've got no horse in this race. So it's either Man City or Arsenal, right? So it's not like... Yeah, know, but you don't know Man City fans. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that point is true. I think the one thing is that I've said Man City for the title from day one. Um, you still believe it? I still do believe it. I think, um, what's it, five points? Um, that's five points and they have to play each other. They've, and they're going to play them at the Etihad. And I think... Um, so yeah, here's the run of... I'll give you the next five fixtures. Let's see if this changes your mind. So this is Manchester City's next five. Away at Palace. Home at West Ham. Home, home against West Ham. Home against Liverpool. Away at Southampton. And home against Leicester. All right? If you go to Arsenal... They're away at Fulham, home at Crystal Palace, home at Leeds, away at Liverpool, away at West Ham. So they actually play West Ham and Crystal Palace and Liverpool. Both these teams play in that run. Yeah. I think the only difference is um, City got more of those games at home and they've got the big games at home. So Yeah, Arsenal got the big games away. Away. So I think that... Um, Look, I, I always thought it was going to be it's going to come down to that game that they play against each other. I thought it may not, but kudos to Arsenal for taking it so far. Um, but I do see City winning that game um, and then making up two points. Two points in in a title race with eight games to go, or whatever it may be at that stage. Uh, yeah, it's, it's massive. Not a, yeah. Well, when you think about it too, and I'm looking at Arsenal's fixtures here on that City run, they play City away. Chelsea at home, Newcastle away. Yeah. So they have three really tough games back to back to back. Yeah. And and look, if if they get through that and they win the league, they're gonna it's because they deserve to, right? So um but I just still got this inkling that City are way better than what they're showing. Um and City can City have it in their locker to win every single game between now and the end of the season. And I don't know if 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 Arsenal got that in their locker. That is true. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Rudds is sticking with Manchester City to overturn Arteta's Arsenal, who have been an absolute pleasure to watch this season, even from a neutral perspective. To my Arsenal fans, I really have no issue with Arsenal and them winning the league. They play brilliant football. And to be fair, I think it would be a great one for a little Arteta to have left the money oligogs of, or should I say, the 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 uh, the, the, uh, the Saudi money of Manchester City to go and win it with Arsenal. We'll see if that unfolds. But I'm still sticking with City on the quiet. Um, it's been a fabulous episode. <laughs> we will catch you again next week on What the Football Pod. As always, catch us on all our socials. And we'll see you again next week.